For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another week here on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jordan Dollinger, and this is Believe in Everything Ole Miss. Make sure that you're subscribed on whatever platform you're listening on right now. That way, new episodes will download automatically each week so you never miss anything Ole Miss. Last weekend, Ole Miss returned to Oxford to host South Carolina, and just in case you missed it, the Rebels crushed the Gamecocks 59-42. to It was truly an explosive game with so many highlights and unforgettable moments, all of which I'm going to unpack right here. Guys, once again, this episode is brought to you by our partners over at Bet Online. We can't all see our favorite NFL teams in person this season, but we can still get in on all of the action at Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any other place online and has an online casino that never closes. Visit betonline.ag forward slash sportsbook to see all the teams' totals plus player and coaching props for all the Week 11 pro games starting tonight. There's a lot happening this week, so head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. Last weekend, Ole Miss beat South Carolina, winning its third game of the year and second in a row. The Rebels are now 3-4 and four on the season, and this game was one of the very best so far. I have Grayson Weir of Red Cup Rebellion back on with me today to talk about all of it. There's so much to unpack here, so let's jump right into it. Yeah, glad to be here. Thanks for having me back on, Jordan. I'm really excited to talk about this game. So this was once again a total offensive shootout between the two teams. There were over 1,200 total yards combined and over 100 total points scored. For Ole Miss specifically, the Rebels hung 708 yards of offense on the Gamecocks, including 513 passing yards for quarterback Matt Corral, who accounted for five touchdowns on the day, four of those being touchdown passes, including the 91-yard touchdown pass to Elijah Moore in the fourth quarter that resulted in the clipboard toss seen around the world. This has been dubbed the clipboard game. When you watch this live, did you see it happen? Were you confused? Did you think it was a glitch? Because when I saw it happen, I was like, is that a plastic bag? What just, what, what just happened right there? And then I heard the announcer and I was like, oh, this is too good to be true. Yeah, I mean, when the play happened, you, you saw something fly across the screen and it was like, what the heck is that? Like, something amazing just happened and I kind of had a feeling someone threw something out of celebration but I never in a million years would have expected the head coach of an Ole Miss football team to throw everyone's saying it's a clipboard but it's it's a laminated play sheet 
Like yeah. it's, it's what's Kiffin calling his plays from. He chucked it a million yards into the air. And, you know, it's one of those things where when we hired Lane Kiffin, you know, the results were pending, but we knew that at the end of the day, Ole Miss football would be fun again. And that was so much fun. I mean, it was a blast. And then for him to do it again, obviously <laughs> he was playing into the bit, but for right. him to do it again, what made it even that much better. It was so funny. And to watch the replays back was even more hilarious because when you see Kiffin's hands go up, which you also predicted this, you predicted that he was going, (laughs) don't think I forgot about this. You predicted that Lane Kiffin was going to signal for the touchdown before it even happened. And this was so, so spot on the signal, the hands, everything. And then to see him just run down the field, throw the call sheet, the whole thing. I mean, it was, I probably rewatched it a hundred times. It was hilarious. I watch it at least a hundred times a day. I mean, we've seen it at Alabama. We've seen it at FAU and we knew it was going to happen at some point, but we haven't seen it to this extent. And it was everything we could have asked for more. And now it's just a question of like, if this will continue and if Lane will keep throwing things because (laughs) Even if it becomes overplayed or too played out at some point, I won't get tired of it. It just, it gets better and better every time that I watch it too. Like every single time I know exactly. I, I have the announcer, the whole bit stuck in my head, but it's, it's so good every single time I watch it. Yeah. And all the angles we shout out to the Ole Miss video department and to Alex Gosbo down there uh, with the football team, you know, such great shots there on the sideline to get in that moment, get up in his face and get Kiffin's fist pump after the play sheet lands was just brilliant. I mean, Ole Miss football is finally fun again, and it's all we can ask for. It really is. So the Rebels finished with the most yards of offense in school history in any SEC game. Mackerel finished the game 28 of 32 passing, averaging 16 yards a throw and ending with a 97.6 QB rating. He was named the SEC Offensive Player of the Week on Monday, rightfully so. Wide receiver Elijah Moore caught 13 passes for 225 yards, reaching over 1,000 yards this season and becoming the fastest receiver to reach that milestone in Ole Miss history. He is also the only wide receiver in college football right now with over 1,000 receiving yards. He's also the first player in SEC history with over 225 receiving yards in two consecutive games. He had 238 yards against Vanderbilt two weeks ago. Needless to say, these two, I mean, this was really incredible on, on, on both ends. Yeah, the thing is, right off the top, let, let's start talk about Corral first because he doesn't get it you know, as much respect. And then we'll get into to more because what he's doing this season is unbelievable. But Matt Corral outside of his game against Arkansas with the six interceptions, and it was ultimately a fluke game. I mean, if you look at his stats the rest of the year, yeah, he struggled a little bit against Auburn, but Alabama, Vanderbilt, South Carolina, 365, 412, 513 yards, no interceptions in all three of those games and it combines 12 touchdowns. I mean, outside of the Vanderbilt and the Arkansas game, if this was a full season and he kept up this performance, Matt Corral's in the Heisman conversation. I mean, he's having an unbelievable year outside of the two games, and nobody's really giving him the credit that he deserves um, on a national level. And that's okay, because we forget that he's only a sophomore. So yeah, he redshirted his freshman year when he got into the state game, got in the tussle at the end of the game. Last year was, you know, Matt Luke refused to play him for whatever reason. And then Lane Kiffin was finally like, okay, you know, this kid is legit. And now he's got a quarterback friendly coach, a quarterback friendly offensive coordinator. Shout out to Jeff Lebby and Lane Kiffin because they called an unbelievable game on Saturday. They had an answer for every single one 
of South Carolina's defensive fronts. They threw weird coverages at Ole Miss and, and every single instant Corral checked out of it because he and Levy worked on it in the film beforehand. Even that 91 yard touchdown where, you know, the clipboard ended up in the air. Matt Corral said after the game that that was not the original play call, but they saw something in the defense, they checked away from it and they knew that it was going to work right away. And it did. I mean, it worked to a T. So Corral's playing out of his mind. If he can keep this up and keep, stay consistent, I mean, he's a legitimate SEC gunslinger, you know, for the next at least year, maybe even two. I wouldn't – I can't imagine – I mean, for him to be drafted at the end of next year or to go pro at the end of the next year means he won the Heisman. So that would be great. But I would imagine we have two more years of a really solid quarterback under center throwing to somebody this year – who will likely go pro at the end of the season because he deserves to. And Elijah Moore, all bias aside, he's not getting the recognition he deserves for whatever reason, because it's Ole Miss, it's not Alabama, it's not LSU. He should win the Blitnikoff Award this year. He is the best wide receiver in college football on the third most explosive offense in the country. I mean, the dude's putting up insane numbers. He's got over 1,000 yards receiving, like you said, eight touchdowns, nine touchdowns maybe, and he's on track to break A.J. Brown's 85 single-season receptions record in a 10-game, well, now nine-game season, and that's unbelievable. So if he, he's at 74 catches right now with the 13 against South Carolina. He needs 85 to tie A.J. Brown for most receptions in a season, and he, he's going to get that. I mean, they have the one game left. Well, actually, now that it, we're not playing A&M this weekend, things are up in the air, but he's on pace to break the record, and he would in a season where they were playing – UConn and Southern Illinois and the teams that were originally on the schedule and he is just balling out. I saw something today where they had him predicted to go in the fourth or fifth round. I think that's ridiculous. I mean, this dude's a plug and play right away slot receiver on the next level. And he's really fun to watch. I wish we could have seen him in the last couple of years on a better team because now that he has a good quarterback throwing him the ball, I mean, look what he's doing. It's unbelievable. And it's not like, you know, the other receivers around him are bad. It's just that he's that good. Like Jonathan Mingo is a solid receiver. Big John Drummond is having a great year. Jerrion Ely is a great threat out of the backfield. Kenny Yeboah is having an unbelievable season, invited the senior bowl, all this stuff. And Elijah is still going out there, recording 74 catches, 13-ish a game. Really, really incredible stuff. On top of the fact that, you know, the backfield is incredible as well. You know, Jerrion Ely is having a great year. Snoop Connors, a consistent goal line threat. And Henry Parrish Jr. had a solid game last weekend after finally getting into the mix. The offense is fun. They have great coaches telling them where to go, where to be, and what to do, which is not something that was the case last year. And it's working. You know, it's really fun to watch. The big catches and big plays, of course, all of that is exciting. But he was also the second top rusher of the day with six carries for 45 yards behind Jerrion Ely, who was the top rusher picking up 84 yards on 17 carries and two touchdowns. So that was really cool, too, to see that he was used in a lot of different ways. Every single reception this game was really impressive. There wasn't a single Ole Miss receiver who averaged less than 13 yards a catch all game, which which is insane, which is insane. The whole entire offense just in general was a lot of fun. There was a lot of highs in this game. It's really tough to focus on any of the lows. Obviously, Ole Miss had one fumble on the day and the defense gave up 42 points. So if there's anything to harp on, it's that. And Kiffin knows that too. In that postgame interview, he said that Ole Miss is going to have to stop somebody at some point, which we will. But for now, I'll just take the win. Yeah. I mean, the offense is unbelievable. The defense struggled, but but you have to give some credit to the defense because in the fourth quarter when it counted, you know, it's a one possession game. 
the defense didn't allow a point, you know, in the final three possessions of the fourth quarter. So South Carolina opened the fourth quarter with a score to go ahead 42 to 38. Ole Miss battled back, hit Elijah Moore on the second, you know, 91 yards on the second play of that drive. And then the defense forced three consecutive three and outs, turnover and downs, a punt, and a turnover on downs. Yes, the defense is Swiss cheese. Yes, it allowed a billion yards rushing, but it ultimately stepped up at the end of the game. And a lot of that goes to the secondary, which actually, if there is a bright spot on defense, it's in the secondary with guys like A.J. Finley, who made a, a significant pick in the first half. All things considered, yes, the win was great. The offense was explosive. But all things considered, the defense did its job when their backs were against the wall. And I think that's all you can ask for. Yeah, when you take a step back and you think about how explosive the offense is and you think about how much of a better chance recruiting is going to go on from here on out and you think about getting a strong defense behind you, your eyes just light up and you just think about the team that Ole Miss could be relatively pretty soon. Absolutely. And I think everyone's, you know, said it to the point where it's become ad nauseum. You know, there are 17, I believe, blue chip recruits on Ole Miss versus other schools that have upwards of 50. So yeah, once Ole Miss starts winning, we have the right coach, you know, in the right place, all the pieces are going to start coming together and kids are going to want to come play in Oxford. And that's going to start on the defense because Hugh Freeze and Matt Luke left the defensive line, the linebacking core and the secondary just absolutely depleted. And at the end of the day, you know, they're giving it their all. Their all just isn't up to the standard of other SEC offenses that are competing against them. And that will change, you know, as talent starts to come in. Like we saw Demon Clowney, last signing class, he's not playing much this year because he's got to put on size, but that dude's going to be a freak. You know, there, there's things that are coming together and will only continue to get better as better players come in. Yeah, I agree with that. So all in all, there's a lot of celebrating happening on our end for sure. Not so much right now in Columbia. On Sunday, just one day after the loss, that dropped them to two and five on the season. They announced that they had fired their head coach, who spent four and a half seasons with South Carolina after taking over for Steve Spurrier in 2016. His overall record as head coach was 28-30 with the Gamecocks. And this game against Ole Miss was not only the third straight loss for South Carolina, but also the third straight game that South Carolina has allowed over 48 points from its opponent. South Carolina is the first Power 5 school to make a coaching change this year, and the offensive coordinator, Mike Bobo, was named the interim head coach for the remainder of the season. Is this surprising? Yes and no. I think it's surprising in a sense that we're in the middle of one of the weirdest years we will ever see in college football, where finances are short, and at the end of the day, the season is – it's not a wash because the season counts the same at the end of the day, but – there are unusual circumstances. So yes, I was surprised. Muschamp's a good coach, and I think he's going to do just fine maybe out of Michigan. I think there's a lot of opportunity for him to bounce back, but I thought it was a weird move to fire him during a pandemic um, Mm -hmm. just from a financial standpoint. I mean, to pay him $15 million not to coach, I just hope that South Carolina doesn't cut a single sport after this because if you have the money to pay somebody not to do their job, then you should be able to keep your athletic department afloat comfortably. And obviously, you know, I understand the whole booster side of things. The boosters probably came forward and the bagmen dropped off some cash to, to get Muschamp out of town. But it just seems like a weird time 
to do so. Why not wait until the end of the year? It's not like you're going to get ahead on the coaching search at this point because there won't be many teams looking for a new coach at the end of the year. So why rush now? I guess if you're going to get broken by Lane Kiffin, he's the guy to do it, if you will. But I thought it was a weird move, especially considering kind of the options out there. Yeah, I agree with that. I I was surprised, but not surprised. I'm not surprised because this program hasn't sustained high-level success over the years. This sort of thing has happened to Muschamp in the past. South Carolina fired him with four years remaining on this most current contract. He was fired by Florida back in November of 2014 with three years remaining on that contract. Mike Bobo was just fired last year from his head coaching position at Colorado State. So just kind of a lot going on. And South Carolina also just poured $50 million into a new football facility last year, assuming I'm sure that they weren't going to have to pay for a new head coach anytime soon. So it's just like not really looking good for them. I think when your options as a program are either keep your existing coach and ride it out, like you said, it's a weird season. We're in the middle of a pandemic. It's a limited schedule. It still counts at the end of the day, like everything else. But when your options as a program are to either just keep your coach ride it out or face, like you said, almost a $14, $15 million buyout to drop him on top of that $50 million, you know, op center, like I mentioned that they just shelled out last year. And you take the latter, especially in a time like this, when, I mean, these programs were not, they're not making money like they would do in a normal season. So I think that that really says something. Yeah. And it's not even like Muschamp had done that bad of a job. Yeah. 28 and 30 is not what you're looking for in Columbia. And yes, they've lost a couple of tight games that should have gone the other way. They pulled a couple of upsets along. It just seemed like an odd time to fire a good coach. Well, Champ's a good coach. It might not be the right fit, but why not let him finish out his contract, you know, at least next season, see what happens in a normal year with a normal off season, a full recruiting cycle, et cetera. Yeah, so South Carolina is now going to be obviously on the hunt for a new head coach. And in a very fun twist of events, according to outlets like Saturday Down South and CBS Sports, former Ole Miss head coach Hugh Freeze is at the top of that list of potential candidates. Freeze is the current head coach, of course, at Liberty University, who are 8-0 on the season and ranked 21 in the country. His career record as a head coach is 65-33, and he's won eight or more games in six of his last eight seasons as a head coach. Despite leaving Ole Miss, obviously, as we all remember, in a whirlwind of scandal, Freeze is he's an accomplished SEC head coach who's probably looking to get out of Liberty, and South Carolina is definitely going to be looking for a coach with some Power 5 value, so... Do you believe this? Is this a good move? And is this not just so ironic? Do I think it's a good move? No. Do I believe it? Yes. Do I think it's going to happen? I'm not sure. I think there's a couple candidates out there for South Carolina. Hugh is certainly one of them. And I think Hugh, like you said, might end up being on the top of their list, but I think it's a crazy move. Yes, he wins ball games. Yes, we, we've seen that he can coach a team to success but the, all the off-field stuff his phony persona I mean that would put a guy like Dabo Sweeney and Hugh Freeze in the same state on the two biggest rivals in South Carolina and both of them would be phony pastoral preachers who are not who they say they are so it just it seems like just seems weird I hope it happens because it would be hilarious and Ole Miss doesn't play South Carolina all too often. So even if he decides to get his stuff together off the field and really start winning on the field, Ole Miss wouldn't have to face that wrath too often. But I think it would be hilarious. But I think there are better coaches out there like Billy Napier down in Louisiana. He's coaching really well. Great player at Furman. Learned under Nick Saban. 
I think Brett Venables is interesting. He's the defensive coordinator over at Clemson. The question is whether you go after, you know, your biggest rival's longtime defensive coordinator and can successfully bring him across state lines. That would be fantastic to see Dabo's right-hand man go against him, you know, once a year would be awesome. But I think the best hire out there is Jamie Chadwell, rather, down at Coastal Carolina. He's doing incredible things with a program that isn't a football powerhouse by any stretch of the word. You know, they're down there undefeated 7-0 and in his third season averaging 40 points a game. It's a creative offense. They run the ball well. They play with swagger. They're headhunters. They have fun in the locker. They're the most fun team in the country. When you get sit down and look at the X's and O's, it makes sense to bring somebody just down the road who recruits well in state up there to Columbia and give him a chance to succeed on a contract that's likely less than you would pay a Hugh Freeze or a Brad Venables or even a Billy Napier when you're right. Like we said, they had that $50 million renovation. They had to pay $15 million for Muschamp not to coach there. How much money do you have in the tank to pay a head coach? Mind you, especially right now. Exactly. Mind you, I think Hugh Freeze would probably do it for a bag of peanuts um, at this point just because that dude is desperate to get back. You know, he, he's out there Googling his name every night, trying to get his name back into the limelight. So I, I hope they end up hiring Hugh because I think it would be hilarious, but I think there are better hires out there. Like Steve Sarkeesian could be another Will Healy down in Charlotte. I mean, that's another in-state hire. There's a lot of better options than Hugh Freeze from a image standpoint. At the end of the day, Hugh Freeze is a good coach, but he's a bad person. And we all know that. So why would you want to bring a phony preacher man into your system and have him screw things up when South Carolina is a great culture and everybody wants to be there? Why not bring in someone that people want to play for? I just hope it happens from a hilarious standpoint. I would like for it to happen because I think it would be very funny to watch as an Ole Miss fan, but maybe not so much as a USC fan. Maybe not so great for them. I think it's going to be tough regardless because even if South Carolina wants to hire Hugh Freeze, the hire obviously has to go through the SEC commissioner who reportedly he shot down an attempt from Nick Saban to hire Freeze as an assistant back in 2018, reportedly. So I think maybe his time at Liberty may have smoothed that over. And I'm sure that was the point, but it could be a different story, you know, this time around if all of that shakes out. But I don't think that USC has had a lot of luck recycling old SEC coaches into the program anyway. So maybe they need something. They need to try something different. I think I agree with you. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, that would be very entertaining to say the least. I mean, everything weird and crazy is happening this season. So we'll see what happens. But next week, Ole Miss was scheduled to travel to Texas A&M to take on the Aggies. But as you already mentioned, that game was postponed earlier this week on Monday by the SEC due to the number of quarantine players in the A&M program. As we know, A&M was supposed to play Tennessee last weekend, but that game was also postponed because of COVID-19 issues. A&M currently still does not have enough scholarship players available to play this week again. So it's a bit up in the air what's going to happen moving forward. The SEC did plan for something like this, intentionally leaving Saturday, December 12th open for postponed games or cancellations. And December 12th is Ole Miss's only remaining open date before the end of the SEC season, similarly to many other teams. However, the Ole Miss and AM game cannot be moved to the 12th because AM's postponed game from last week against Tennessee is already scheduled to be played on that date. So now the league is looking into the following weekend to see if December 19th is a possibility. The SEC has 
already approved December 19th as a date where games postponed due to COVID-19 could be made up, but only if the game doesn't involve either of the two division winners since December 19th is also the day of the SEC championship game in Atlanta and a game which Texas A&M could qualify for if it wins out and Alabama loses two of its last three games. So it's basically just a giant game of Tetris at this point. We've seen a couple coaches this week come out and say that the next few weeks are fluid is the word they keeps using. And like you said, I mean, A&M could foreseeably make the SEC championship. They're not going to because Alabama is not going to lose two out of the next three games, but they're still not going to play on the 19th. I don't think this game is going to end up being played, which is unfortunate because I think Ole Miss had a legitimate shot to pull the top 10 upset over a top 10 team. That's not necessarily top 10 caliber. Also, it would be hilarious to beat Ross Bjork in the Ross Bjork revenge game. He obviously left Ole Miss high and dry before bouncing to College Station. If Lane Kiffin came in as the new coach under the new athletic director, you know, that let Matt Luke go would be hysterical if they could pull off a win. I don't think the game's going to happen. I don't really understand why. And Lane talked about this a little bit too. All of the Scholarship players who are out for the Aggies are related to contact tracing and quarantine, but there's only one positive case within the program. So why is it that Nick Saban was able to test out a couple of weeks ago before the Georgia game, but players are unable to and have to quarantine for 14 days despite not testing positive to begin with? Obviously, we don't know the exact numbers at a college station. Everybody's kind of fudging things a little bit, but it seems like if protocol was for lack of better word, we'll use logical. It seems like these players who are testing negative two or three times now in the last week and a half could suit up on Saturday, but that's not up to me. And we are sitting on another bye week leading into the craziest game of the year. Yeah, it just seems like what you said. Why are these players sitting when Nick Saban can test out? It just seems not very sensible. And it I'm Sensible sure is a great word. Uh, yeah, I just, it doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense. And I don't see why this game can't be played. And it just sucks because I do agree with you. I think that you're probably correct. I don't think that Texas A&M is going to go to the SEC championship, but how do you say right now that you're going to reschedule a game for the 19th and tell Texas A&M that that's when it's going to be scheduled for, because you're probably not going to make it that far. You can't do that, you know? So mm -hmm. I just don't think that's going to get played either, but the college football season in general has seen a lot of cancellations, but this postponement is the first that directly impacts Ole Miss's schedule. Up until this point, Ole Miss was one of the very few teams left in the SEC who hadn't had any games postponed or rescheduled this season. So all the Rebels can do now is look ahead and start preparing. As of now, their next game, which is going to be the Egg Bowl against Mississippi State on November 28th, the Saturday after Thanksgiving. It's set for 3 p.m. on SEC Network from Oxford. Ole Miss leads this series through the 2019 season, although State has won the past two years. State is 2-4 and four going into this weekend with a matchup against number 13, Georgia. Although it's a little ways away, and we're skipping over a game, and there's a little bit of confusion there with what is going to happen with that rescheduling. Any bold predictions for the Egg Bowl? Do you have a score prediction? I'm so excited for this one. I really am. If, in, if in fact – we don't play Texas A&M. It's not rescheduled. We just have a bye, and this is the next game that we play. I'm, I'm okay with that because I'm hyped for it. I'm really excited. Yeah, it's going to be really fun. I know I keep using the word fun, and that's really 
nice to be able to say that word again because we didn't all of last year, all of the year prior. It was the last couple of years were painful. And now, you know, you're looking at a two-week preparation for Mississippi State. I don't have a score, but I think it's going to be a comfortable win for Ole Miss. Mississippi State is a dumpster fire. They have players leaving left and right. Mike Leach is doing a terrible job managing his roster. They can't win ball games. KJ Costello's injured. Will Rogers looks terrible in his place. Things are not going well in Starkville. Things are going very well as of the last two weeks in Oxford. So to have two weeks to prepare for a Mississippi State team that Lane Kiffin has faced Mike Leach multiple times in his career already, having two weeks to prepare for a bad team that's coming off of a game where they're going to get rocked by Georgia this weekend, couldn't set it up for a better situation for Ole Miss. I mean, it's going to be a bloodbath and I'm really looking forward to watching them bleed out. Yeah. I am so excited for this one, excluding Mississippi state's first game of the season against LSU state is averaging less than 11 points a game, even with the LSU game, if they're averaging 16 points a game. So meanwhile, Ole Miss is over here averaging 41 points a game. So I know that our defense is not the shining star of this program, but I definitely don't think that this is going to be the game where state comes in and scores more points than they have all season. Certainly not more against us than they did against LSU, which was their first game of the season. And they haven't scored or even performed remotely the same in any of those other games. I'm really thinking, I'm thinking positively, but I'm thinking like a 28 point spread. I think I have almost 52 state 24. I think that that's what I'm going to go with. And I think that that's, especially coming off of two back-to-back games, scoring over 50 points. I'm thinking a three 50 point plus game in a row. That's what I'm envisioning. That's what I have. I actually really like that because it it accounts for state scoring points because they're going to, the air raid system is not working in Starkville. Their athletes are not very good in Starkville and putting bad athletes in a system that's not working is not a recipe for success, but the Ole Miss defense is very bad. Um, And they'll catch a break on a deep ball or a, you know, a broken play screen or something of that sort at some point along the way and get in the end zone on a couple of occasions, but the Ole Miss defense should have an opportunity to really make a statement before playing LSU against a very, I can't stress it enough. Mississippi state is very bad and it's really nice to watch the little brother, if you will go in and think that they hired a, that was equal to Lane Kiffin and having it all blow up in their face is hysterical. So I'm really looking forward to getting that satisfaction that we've been missing the last couple of years and, you know, bringing the, the in-state rivals to Oxford and beating them down on the home turf should be a pretty good time. You know, knock on wood, obviously, but I, I don't see a situation where this swings in favor of the Bulldogs. I don't either. And I think that if you, I mean, if you look back at their past couple of games, you see that State has put up, you know, like two points, zero points, 14 points. So it's a lot of low scores, but I think that you have to take into account for the fact that those were ranked teams and, and great teams. And so do I think that, yes, State is going to score. I don't think that it's going to be another under 14 point game for them, even though they've had a lot of them recently. So like what you said, there's going to be opportunities where something is going to happen. And I definitely think that State is going to score points, but I think that we are as well. And I'm really excited for it. And I love that you said that 
calling Ole Miss fun was something that we get to do, which we haven't been able to. But not only do we get to say that watching Ole Miss and just being an Ole Miss fan is fun, but we also get to say that Mississippi State is really bad. And I love that we get to say both at the same time. It's the icing on top of the cake for a year that's been really difficult. Yeah. I think that also playing in Oxford, too, is going to be great. And then I think that from that, all that's left at that point is LSU. And so I think that that is a really great opportunity for Ole Miss to just go, I mean, maybe we'll have four 50-plus point games in a row. Who knows? <laughs> I think it's possible. And I, I was saying, even after the Alabama game, there was not a game on the schedule that Ole Miss couldn't win. Obviously, Arkansas was not good. Auburn was a little bit of just a weird, fluky, chaos game. Yeah, it just – exactly. It was on – put it on Birmingham – Vanderbilt, obviously big win. South Carolina, big win. Not going to play A&M, but I think Ole Miss had a good shot to beat A&M and expose them there. Mississippi State should be a dub, and LSU is also very bad. Speaking of which, LSU is in some deep, deep trouble with not only their Children's Hospital scandal, but a recent scandal that came out. Orgeron may not be the coach there by the end of the season, if not going into next year. So there's turmoil down in Baton Rouge that isn't getting the coverage it deserves but it makes that game all much that more winnable. And it's, it's interesting to see how far the script has flipped to where LSU put a beat down on Ole Miss last year. Mississippi State won pretty handedly. And now it looks like things should be the opposite where Ole Miss should put a beat down on Mississippi State and could win pretty handily against LSU. And that feels really good. How the tables have turned, right? It's the best how feeling. How the tables have turned have indeed. Turned. Yeah, well, I'm really excited. The rest of the season is going to be a really good time. I'm sure we'll have just as many highlights to talk about in two weeks that we are right now. I can't wait. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me again. I appreciate it so much. Tell everyone again where they can find you. You're always on Twitter, live tweeting, all the memes, everything. So everybody needs to know how they can follow all of that. Yeah, thanks for having me on again. I'm really down to do this whenever. You know, it's always fun talking with you. You can find me. I'm Grayson Weir, obviously, at GSunJW on Twitter. Follow at Bro Bible on Twitter, the new gig over there. Give us some love. Join the site. I, I try to plug Ole Miss as much as I can. And then, obviously, Red Cup Rebellion, where everything, anything Ole Miss, just like Rebel Rag says, but we do it with a little more fun um, than 24-7, than Rivals, all the above. So, yeah, stick with us. Stay on the site for the immediate post game, the day after reactions, the takeaways. It's a fun year. It's a weird year. And, and we're here to break it down for y'all. There's that word again. Fun. I love it. Everything's fun. It's fun to be an Ole Miss fan. That's why everyone needs to be one. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Thanks for listening, guys. Make sure that you're subscribed so you never miss anything Ole Miss. There's a lot more to come. So check back next week. And as always, hotty toddy. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.